It's Saturday, February the 15th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump's tweets about Barr and Nissan's steep losses. First, the week in brief. President Donald Trump tweeted he has the legal right to ask his Attorney General William Barr to intervene in criminal cases. On Thursday, Mr Barr had criticised the President's use of Twitter to attack the justice system, saying such interventions made it impossible for him to do his job. The next day, the New York Times reported that Mr Barr plans to review the case of Michael Flynn, a former national security adviser to Mr Trump who has pleaded guilty to lying to federal investigators. America's trade office raised tariffs on European aviation equipment from 10% to 15%. It took square aim at Airbus, which it accuses of benefiting from EU subsidies. Airbus is clearly benefiting from crises at Boeing, its long-standing rival in America. With the Sino-American trade war easing after a Phase 1 deal, European negotiators dread renewed hostility on the Western Front. A Trump administration official told reporters that America's government and the Taliban had agreed on a week-long nationwide reduction of violence that could lead to the departure of some American troops. The announcement followed a meeting between Ashraf Ghani, Afghanistan's president, Mike Pompeo, America's secretary of state, and Mark Esper, its defense secretary, at a security conference in Germany. Royal Bank of Scotland will change its name to NatWest Group in a move aimed at weakening its association with the global financial crisis. The British government rescued RBS in 2008 with a £45 billion, $85 billion bailout and still owns most of its shares. The bank announced the shift as it reported better than expected results for the fourth quarter. The man favoured by Emmanuel Macron, France's president to be mayor of Paris, dropped out of the race after the publication of sexual videos and private messages he had allegedly sent to an unidentified woman. Benjamin Griveaux was running for Mr Macron's party, La République en Marche. France holds municipal elections in March. Shares in Nissan dropped by almost 10%, ending at 513.70, their lowest price for over a decade. On Thursday, the Japanese carmaker posted its first quarterly loss for almost 10 years. Nissan is still reeling from the scandal surrounding ex-chairman Carlos Ghosn, who faces charges of misappropriating company funds and who skipped bail in December. And UEFA, European football's governing body, banned Manchester City from its competitions, notably the Champions League, for the next two seasons for breaching financial fair play rules. The club, which was also fined €30 million, million, called UEFA's process prejudicial and said it would appeal. The reigning English champions play Real Madrid in the last 16 of this season's Champions League on February 26th. And now, here's today's agenda. Happy to host, China, coronavirus and sport. The impact of the outbreak of COVID-19 is a reminder of how important China is to global manufacturing, aviation and tourism. Sport should be added to that list. 
Efforts to contain the spread of the underlying virus have caused the suspension of a swath of international tournaments and events China was due to host. In recent weeks, the Formula One Grand Prix in Shanghai, the Formula E electric car race in Sanya and the China leg of the Diving World Series were cancelled. The World Athletics Indoor Championships, Snooker's China Open and the China Masters in Badminton have been postponed. The Chinese government has long appreciated that international sporting events offer a valuable way for it to spread its soft power. At a time when governments are becoming more discriminating about bidding to host such events, the sports governing bodies have welcomed China's willingness. It will take more than coronavirus to disrupt such a beneficial arrangement. Dingo Collars – Australia's wild dogs used to be pets Dingoes are a familiar symbol of Australia. Their origins, though, are obscure. Now a genomic analysis in Nature Communications, a journal, has uncovered where Australia's apex predators came from. Dingoes diverged from their cousins, Indonesian village dogs, on reaching Australia via the islands of Southeast Asia 8,300 years ago. These dogs would have lived alongside Australians as pets. So how did loyal pooches learn to slay much larger prey, such as kangaroos and water buffalo? The answer lies in feralization, the opposite of domestication, which unlocks the ancient ancestor within. Dingoes reverted to being genetically closer to wolves. Dingo genes for digestion and behavior resemble wolfish versions, which help them adapt to a carnivorous diet in the outback. Sadly, interbreeding with domestic dogs has made hybrids of many wild dingoes. Unless pure bloodlines are protected, dingoes could become as extinct as the thylacine or Tasmanian tiger, the last of which was captured in 1933. Baby No More, Justin Bieber his rise to fame started by accident, or so pop legend has it. In 2008, Scooter Braun, a music executive, was scrolling through YouTube and clicked on the video of a floppy-haired Canadian teenager by mistake. Impressed by Mr. Bieber's tuneful covers of R&B hits and doubtless sensing an opportunity to conquer the teenage market, Mr. Braun soon became his manager. Under his stewardship, Mr. Bieber has become one of the world's most famous musicians, selling an estimated 105 million records in America alone. Never Say Never, a film about a concert in 2010, grossed $99 million worldwide. The highs have been accompanied by more than a few lows, such as an arrest for driving under the influence of alcohol and a stint of community service after he threw eggs at a neighbor's house. But now the teen heartthrob is all grown up. Changes, his new album, which was released yesterday, is inspired by Hayley Baldwin Bieber, his wife. Leopoldstadt, Tom Stoppard's acutely personal new work. The play, which opened at Wyndham's Theatre in London on February 12th, exhibits many of the trademark motifs of Sir Tom's stellar career. There are multiple time frames, the drama is set in Vienna between 1899 and 1955, as well as cerebral dialogue and lots of jokes. But this play, which recounts the tragic fate of a Viennese Jewish family, is different in its acutely personal theme. Sir Tom and his parents fled Czechoslovakia on the eve of the Second World War. All of his grandparents died in the Holocaust. The story features a character who gets away to England and discovers only later what happened to his relatives, experiences that overlap with his creators. 
At the close of the play, which at 82 Sir Tom has speculated might be his last, the verbal pyrotechnics for which he has always been renowned give way to a single reverberating word, Auschwitz. As seen on screen, Steve McQueen's video art. The Briton is best known for directing films, notably Twelve Years a Slave and Widows, but this week at Tate Modern in London, a retrospective opened showing Steve McQueen's experimental video art, sculpture and photography. In one piece, a finger pokes the eye of Charlotte Rampling, an actress. In another, the camera spins around the Statue of Liberty. In another, miners in South Africa plunge into one of the world's deepest mines. Praised for the poetic intensity of his still shots as well as his political vision, Mr. McQueen was the first black director to win an Oscar for Best Picture and is the only person to have won both an Oscar and the Turner Prize, Britain's most prestigious art award. His photographs of schoolchildren across London are also drawing crowds at Tate Britain, and his television miniseries about the Windrush generation, Small Axe, is expected to air later this year. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Art Spiegelman, who was born on this day in 1948. To die, it's easy, but you have to struggle for life. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.